Musical, a podcast designed to analyze the games that we love, headlines of music, and the movies we can't forget. I'm your host, Winsor Burns. My kind of person, my horse was not able to be on for this one, uh, but I'm joined by a special guest once again, Jamil Davis. He's been on for many past episodes, many album reviews. Thanks so much for being back on the last episode of the year. Yes, I am very, very, very honored, as always, to be on with you and to just, you know, be a part, of course, of the of the last episode of the year. So, of course, I know this is the the, the customary end of the year. Yeah, end of the year, <laughs> end of the year review. You made the podcast. cut. You made the last guest of the year. <laughs> I'm just with this. I'm be honest with you. Like this is my set. This is my second podcast that I've been on. That's the wow. end, that's the end of the year deal. Um, I do a I do a wrestling podcast as well. That oh. we did our end of the year review deal um wednesday so okay. i was just like i gotta go listen to that episode i gotta go listen to that episode <laughs> let's keep the tradition going so yeah, yeah. absolutely <laughs> well, we have a lot of topics to get into this one obviously um some college football topics um you know and, and our favorite sports moment of the year favorite album of the year some album reviews in the second half we're going to do a review of the um the new uh, little brother uh story and documentary um but before we even get to some of the, the topics uh florida state just got just immediately like just annihilated um by Georgia 63 to 3 um also in the NBA the Pistons they just broke um they ended their losing streak at 28 games which one which one do you want to start with Pistons or Florida State I know Florida State that that one man like everybody was saying they should be in the playoff but the committee was like and I know a lot of the starters didn't play but still 63 to 3 is embarrassing I I feel like whether the starters would have played or not I feel like that would have been the direction that the game yeah, still, man. the game still would have went. This is this is the very example. A lot of residue, and and FSU fans are gonna be upset with me. They gonna <laughs> they gonna check me in the comments when this gets posted on all the socials and yeah. all of YouTube and whatnot. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna stand by it. This is the reason why the CFP committee was like, mm, yeah, we good on not having FSU in the yeah. playoff. This is specifically the reason why I listen. I knew FSU was going to lose to Georgia. I didn't think it was going to be this bad. Oh I yeah, really didn't think it was in no be this way bad. am I thinking that this was going to be this type of blowout. I did think Georgia was going to win it, but like it wasn't even a contest. Like by the by, by halftime, it was like okay, Georgia's got this. They rolled away with it, and I do I think look- Georgia's one of the four best teams um, in in the in the nation. I do think Georgia like they were kind of dead set on like trying to make a statement with this game. Absolutely. And um, shout out to the, because Georgia also had some players that set out. Yeah. At 18. Well, so shout out to the incoming team that is about to hold it down next year for, for Georgia. Cause I mean, essentially that's what we saw on, that's what we saw on the field today. Like they had a good amount of starters, but like, honestly, some of their starters were like, yeah, we gonna, we gonna sit this one out. Cause Kirby knows, Kirby knows what he's doing. Kirby is is essentially, he's essentially um, Nick Saban Jr. Um, that's what I always say. That's what I always say. Years being the defensive coordinator, he knows that regime. And now he's developing, he's like developing Alabama 2.0. Cause you can is. say what you want about, um, them losing to Alabama. They only lost to Alabama by three. 
they're they were right neck and neck with him. That's Alabama's the only team in this run that's been able to, to stop Georgia because Nick Saban is so familiar with you know Kirby Smart's patterns. But man, outside of that, Georgia's been on the run. And people have to people have to recognize though that every year that Georgia has lost to Alabama in either the SEC or national championship, they Alabama didn't blow them out. No, like let's be clear, like it it always ends up. Oh, we about to go into overtime, or yes. oh, is it? and and even the year that Georgia lost in the SEC championship, but then turn around and won in the national championship, right. they didn't blow Alabama out like that. Those two, that's now the new rivalry in the SEC, and the situation is even going to be worse come next year when. Um, the playoff expands from four teams to twelve. Oh man, it's gonna be it's it's gonna be year, really interesting. It's gonna be next really, year. I be like good. I like that it's doing that because now we can't do the excuse of like, oh man, like somebody got robbed. It's like okay, it's it's expansive now. It's gotten to mm-hmm. the point where everybody has a point to make, and if you should make it, if you think you should make it, there's no no excuses this time around. You know, this and, was the last year you can make excuses. And if we and if we would have done. If we would have done the twelve team playoff this year, um, looking at the top twelve teams in the C- in the CFP, yeah. the majority of them are SEC teams. Oh, for sure. So I just I, I I know that the reason for this whole playoff system was to prevent an all SEC final, yeah. or the SEC being the majority of the teams that's in. That's always in the national championship or whatnot. Y'all gotta get all, all the rest of these conferences. Y'all gotta get better, and yeah. y'all gotta figure out a way to get some more money to hold your teams from wanting to leave your conference and go to either the Big Ten or the SEC. Because at this rate, it's literally gonna only be like two to three actual comp- actual athletic conferences by the time we get to maybe two to three years from now. Yeah, because like by 2025, the 2025-2026 season, Florida State, they're trying to get out of the ACC. They're not even trying to like stay in this conference. And I think Clemson is trying to do the same thing as well, just not as publicly. So I I saw that on College Game Day earlier this morning, but that is a move that's being made. Um, But this, them being left out of the playoff, it just enhanced it. Now they're like, okay, we got to get out of this conference if we're going to get robbed. But today today was a sign of... But I I mean... But in but in the same breath, Florida State, do y'all really want to get out of the ACC? <laughs> that comfortable, possibly go comfortable. and possibly move over to the SEC. Yeah, like, that's a today should be an indication that we don't want to play these guys in the season. <laughs> <laughs> like we want to stay as far away. Just wait to wait till January, and and let's see if we have a shot. But not throughout the season. That's that's a whole different monster. Listen, people um, think people think the Florida Georgia game is bad. Every year, wait until Florida State possibly becomes a team that's in the SEC because they're going to have, like, because they're going to be in the same division as far as the SEC East and West. They're going to be in the same division as Georgia. Yeah. It can get really scary soon. (laughs) And they're going to be in the same division as Florida. Yeah, that that as well. (laughs) So, I mean, there's a lot of problems and dilemmas that they could be facing if, if you know if they make that move. 
Um, but getting to the college football playoff, um, it's interesting because both of these games, you know, you have Alabama, Michigan. I feel like those are, that's one that's going to be, it, it may be more defensive centric than, than some people are, are, are expecting. I think Jalen Milroy, what he does, especially within the pocket, if, if he can be patient, that's going to be a key. And then Texas, Washington, I think that's going to be a shootout. I think both of those teams are going to put up a lot of yeah. points. Um, Michael Penix Jr. to me is still one of the most impressive quarterbacks I've seen this entire, um, season. Um, I'm, I'm going Alabama and Washington. I'm going to go Alabama, Washington. Um, and I've, and I've, I've been, I've vacillated. I think Alabama, their running game could be really key in this one. Um, I haven't seen outside of Ohio State, I haven't seen a big 10 team step up in the playoff. That's my only like concern about Michigan. I think Michigan has shown that they are one of the best teams, but I just don't know it in the big moment if they're ready for that yet, but they've got experienced players. I just think Alabama with Nick Saban and that, that game plan is it's so tough to, to pick against but to you like do you have a, a particular favorite or, or or like certain picks in this one that you kind of think are going to win it so we gotta so let's understand that the reason that let's understand that the reason that georgia was able to beat tcu last year 63 to 7 was because in the playoff they beat michigan yeah and Michigan is now playing the SEC champion (laughs) from this year. Yeah. I love Michigan. Shout out Coach Harborough. I love Michigan. You're not beating Nick Saban. Nick Saban has a Nick Saban has a point to prove. Nick Saban has a point to prove. Sneaked in at four. And I mean those teams that sneak in at four, if it's Alabama or Ohio State, you you gotta be worried. Like he has a point to prove, and his point is we deserve to be in the college football playoff over Florida. We deserve to be in it over Florida State. And we're going to show, we're, we're, we're literally on New Year's Day about to show you all why we deserve to be in this over Florida State. They're going to beat, they're going to beat Michigan. They're going to beat Michigan exceptionally well. It's not going to be, it's not going to be the 63 Three oh, blowout. No, it's not just Michigan's a good team. Yeah, Michigan's a good team. Yeah, they are, good. but they're going to beat them exceptionally well. And then Texas is going to beat Washington. It's going to oh, be a shootout. Okay, but Texas okay. is going to be Washington. So you, you got a rematch. You got Alabama Texas rematch. Yeah, okay. because I, because I feel like Texas, Texas is an SEC team that's not in the SEC. That's a good point. And they're going and they're going to show the reason why. They're about to leave and go. They're about to leave exactly and go to the, the SEC yeah. in two years. <laughs> like, yeah. like, cause they, cause they are legitimately leaving, and they're they're about to be. I think either this upcoming season or the next season is when Texas is in officially a member of the SEC. Yeah. Um, but then, but I hate to say it, like they are an SEC team that isn't in the SEC. But they still aren't in it. They still aren't in the SEC, right? And so Alabama's going to show why in the national championship, why Texas still isn't in the SEC. That would be a great championship, though. Alabama, Texas, though. I know. I know. I mean, you got two huge fan bases. Huge mm-hmm. Alabama, Texas. I mean, that's as that's as good as it gets in college football in terms of just like fan bases. So I think that would be a great. And and also that's the one loss Alabama had in the regular season, and they look like a completely different team compared to September. So I, to see that again, run that yeah. back, that would be. So you got Alabama, Alabama winning the whole thing. I got Alabama winning. I got Alabama winning the national championship. So like Save I said, Nick Saban. He's, he's, he's been riding with Michigan. He said they're the favorite. Don't even think Alabama 
can test them. So he he's go he's rolling with Michigan. God bless, God bless the Lions. Lions gonna, gonna find out Monday why that's not. The New Year's. <laughs> that's the one I got to. Shout out to someone. Definitely, like, definitely. Yeah, he about to find out why that's not the case. Yeah, man. I, I got, I got Alabama as well. Um, and and uh, moving on, I, I also had a because we do this thing every at the end of every year, our most memorable sports moment of the year. And to me, LeBron passing Kareem to become the all-time leading scorer in NBA history, man. I just, I keep going back to that because he's had such, and this is his birthday as well. He turns 39 today. Yeah. He still looks as good as, as he did when he came into the league, which is crazy. Um, it, it's just really a testament to his work ethic that he's able to play at this high level and even look better than some young, young players do, you know, 22 or 23, 23, three year old players. He just every year kind of ascends, stays healthy, puts up great numbers. And I think that moment, just to pass Kareem and do what he's done, it's going to be a while before we see another player pass LeBron. Um, do you have a particular kind of favorite sports moment of the year? I tell everybody LeBron, LeBron has something to prove. LeBron always has something to prove yeah, every year. Yeah. Um, passing Kareem for the all-time points, passing Kareem for all-time points record is, is a, it's an incredible accomplishment in and of itself. Um, once he started inching towards the record, though, I think all of us knew. We all knew it was happening. Yeah, like dude, we all knew it was what game. What game is he gonna do? That was it. Yeah. Um. My mine, mine is. Um. Uh, we're we we technically are still in 2023 right now. Um. So yeah, it's it's this Georgia versus it's FSU. It's a layup. It's a layup. <laughs> like, it's right it's, there. Like it, that's it. Like I just. <laughs> Once again, FSU showed why the CFP committee was like, mm, like Jamil. Listen, you gotta know Jamil is so happy that we recorded at the time we did because he's like, "Yo, I had the perfect chance for an answer." Like they just gave it to me. That's it, and and, <laughs> and it and it helps even more that I am a Georgia Bulldogs fan. Yeah, shout out, shout out to the Georgia Bulldogs. We really, legitimately should have been. In the playoff, we should have been in the playoff this year, but you know, I I understand everybody that's in the playoff is like, and I know what champions. you, and I know that you think if they got in at four, you probably think they're winning it, winning it again, right? They three P, three P, bro. It, they it, they probably could have went for a three P. It 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 literally legitimately would have been a three P, even with um, because I feel like if they would have allowed us in. It would have legitimate. It have been Michigan and Georgia, and it would have been Washington and Texas. instead of Washington and Texas, it would have been Washington and Alabama. Alabama. Yeah, and it has essentially been Georgia and Alabama again for the but Texas team. beating Alabama was the thing that yeah kind of that's hurt. what that's what did, I mean, and honestly, that's what did it. So um, yeah. but no shout shout out. I'm 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 extremely anxious for next season because Georgia actually plays Alabama in the regular, in the regular season. season yeah, that's going to be a game. I'm, I I may legitimately have to get in the car and go to Tuscaloosa oh, for that one. Bro, that's, I'm talking about ratings and just the spectacle of them actually meeting the regular season. We haven't gotten that. We haven't yeah. gotten that in a while. And that's going to be crazy. I can't wait to see that game. That's, that's yeah, and my, 
and my bucket my bucket list item for 2024 is actually because I live in Jacksonville now. So my bucket list for 2024 is actually going to my first Georgia Florida game. So I'm, I've never wow. been to a Georgia Florida game yet. So I, I so um I'm trying to check on when the tickets go on sale for that. I'm gonna go ahead and go ahead and get those and make that happen. Leave yeah. my car at the house and take an Uber or something. Um, <laughs> because, listen, if if y'all have ever been in Jacksonville during Georgia Florida week, especially the day of the game, you you're not getting anywhere near downtown at all. Anywhere near Everbank Stadium, you're not getting anywhere near that. You might as well cancel Christmas on that and not take your car and just take an Uber. Just take an Uber to the stadium. Um, but yeah, that that's 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 my goals. That's my like college football goals for for 2024. Um, and like I said, I'm very anxious for this 12 team playoff. And I want to see, and I also legitimately want to see the bowl games that they use for the 12 game for the 12 game playoff. Because if they use if they use the Gator Bowl for for the for one of the playoff game, then they back they back in Jacksonville. They back in Jacksonville again, and I don't care who playing in that game. I'm going. Oh yeah, gotta go to that. Got so. <laughs> Before we move on to our first album review, I don't know if you heard the news, man. Sean Payton benching Russell Wilson, bro, um, with like two games left in the season. They're seven, eight. They still have a shot to get in the playoffs. And mm-hmm. to me, like it was surprising, but not surprising because if you look at the the dynamic between Sean Payton and Russell Wilson, it was never good. It was like, I'm going at him. I'm not even treating him like he's a starter. The vibes, you can just pick up the vibes between a coach and a player. Like, I, I'll say this. Brady and Belichick, I don't even know if they had that great of a uh, like a friendship connection outside of just player-coach. So I think right. there was some tension and animosity. With Sean Payton and Russell Wilson, we saw in the last few weeks, it was tension, especially the beginning of the season when they like lost to the Dolphins by like, 40 plus. Did, did you have any thoughts about that? Because I mean, that's crazy. Russell Wilson, he, he does not, to me, did not deserve to get benched at this, particularly this point of the season. They've never got along. They've never got along the entire season. Yeah, man. Like, you, you would see reports on tension between Coach Payton and, and um, Russell Wilson. Uh, Russell Wilson isn't performing at the capacity that he can be as a quarterback. Da, 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 da. You know, all these things. And so it's it's just it's mind boggling that you would bench Russell Wilson for the last two games, but I un- I understand it from a money I understand from a money, from a money perspective yeah. because once the season over with, um, once the season over with, even if they don't get to the playoffs, they they shipping bro, they shipping bro somewhere, and um. Atlanta is like actually one of the teams that they're considering sending him to. Um, oh yeah, which which is which is a whole, <laughs> so um, right which is a whole dad joke waiting to happen. I, I was, it's like right there, man. It's right there. It's there. Like you know, you get the Mercedes Benz, you get the Mercedes Benz Stadium, and Russell Westbrook walks out, walks out on the field, and the first song that's being played is "March Madness" oh, by Future. Nah. I the jokes don't write do themselves. Don't do that. Don't do that, Russ. <laughs> the jokes write themselves. They do. Yeah. Um, I mean, C- Sierra would be able to be home. 
she would be able to be home a lot because yeah. you know, she's from Atlanta. But um, no, I I I've never understood the entire season. I've never understood the the dynamic of Russell Wilson and Sean Pay. I've never really I've never understood their dynamic. Make any sense? He's he doesn't have Sean Payton doesn't have the dynamic with him that he had with Drew Brees during his time over New Orleans at New Orleans because yeah. they they seem like they oh, had yeah. a genuine camaraderie and friendship. Yeah. Um, and I mean that's needed for the coach and essentially the coach on the field. Right. So like. Sean Payne's the coach. Russell Wilson, as the quarterback, is the coach on the field. Like he has to control the dynamic of the team while they're on the field. Because Sean Payton can't be on the field, especially during those times where they don't have timeouts anymore. Right. You got to know the mindset of how your coach. You know, is this is this going to be a good play yeah. to do with thirty seconds left? One got timeouts. Uh, I gotta, I gotta make that decision. Like, and they didn't, they never were able to really build, build that dynamic out. And so, so hopefully, Sean Payton gets what he wants in in a quality, in a some type of quality quarterback, or gets what he wants in the draft because they they sending Russell somewhere. Yeah, man, somewhere. Um, Russell, Russell is leaving. Russell is leaving Denver. Oh yeah, send sure. him somewhere. Yeah, I don't, nice I don't know where it is, but God bless. Yeah, so. definitely. <laughs> it, it's, it's a wrap. It's a wrap in Denver. Um, and now getting to our first album review with Billy Woods uh, Maps. Um, in his second album with Kenny Siegel, um, he addressed different themes from trying to survive in a capitalistic society to the after effects of colonialism. Um, he has an. He also has a really uncanny way of rapping with a different type of production for for each track. And um, uh, me and Savon, you know, uh, a few months ago, we reviewed one of his albums. And he, he really does, um, to me, I can't really compare him to a lot of artists today. He does kind of have his own unique sound and tempo. Um, and, I, and I like certain elements of this of this album. I think he's one of those guys who, he's just, he's really in tune with the way the music sounds. And I mm-hmm. think he is very focused on cadence and, and wordplay. Um, to you, kind of, what did you think about this album overall and how it's put together? I understand the dynamic of how Billy Woods approaches MCing. He approaches it from he approaches it from a um from an abstract jazz perspective. That's what that was the word I was looking yeah. for. He he really approaches it from an abstract jazz perspective, even down to the even down to his flow right. on a lot of on a lot of songs. Um if you if you don't understand that about Billy Woods, you can kind of get lost in the shuffle of a lot of songs. Yeah. Cause by the time I got to like the third or fourth song on the album, um, by the time I got to Rapper Weed and, and and Blue Smoke, I understood, okay. Yeah, I know where he's going. Yeah. As far as like how he's where he's taking us on on the album. And yeah. then I also thought back to other songs that I've heard him on, like the song that he's on with no name on her, um, on her new album. Yes. Um, a Sundial, right? Yeah. Like he, he, he came, he came with that same type of perspective on that album as well, which actually that's, 
the the no name album is literally one of my favorite albums of, of the year. Yeah, we reviewed um, it no last name. week. So good, man. Such a good album. Right. No, no name's dynamic. No name's a dynamic artist. And um I'm I'm looking forward to what she's gonna do as far as her international tour is concerned. And if she and hopefully she has some more dates next year here in the States. Do you um, think her career, because we were talking about, me and Sam were talking about this, do you, how do you see her career playing out? Like, what do you, what do you think her audience and her, like, her target, maybe her, like, her target audience can be years going forward? No Name has a, um, so No Name has a, No Name already has an awesome dynamic now, um, especially from the album that she put out in 2016, Telephone. Telephone is, te- Telephone Honestly, was one of, was one of the best albums of was one of the best albums of twenty sixteen, wow. um, and then um, after she put out Room twenty five in twenty eighteen, she took like a she took like a long break mm-hmm. from music to focus on to to focus on being more politically educated, yeah. and then she started the the No Name Book Club, okay. and it essentially has chapters. Across the country, she has one in L.A., Atlanta, New York, Chicago, where she's from, um, and and then of course she has a group. She has a group as well um, called Ghetto Sage, with her Shmino and um, her Shmino and Saba. And oh, um, so the, the want to say a couple. I want to say a couple of months ago, she she did a she did a tiny disc, and they premiered one of the songs from the upcoming project that they're that they're doing they're oh, doing wow. together. I don't even know she did a tiny desk. I gotta I gotta check that one out. Yeah, no, like no no name no name is dynamic. No names no names audience honestly is the um it's it's literally like the hipster black kids who are really into they're really into movement work. They're really into inclus um they're they're really into inclusivity. Yeah. Um they're into um being anti anti-capital anti-capitalist, mm-hmm. um socialist, the whole the whole night. Like that's that's no names lane, especially with a lot of the things that she's done. Um essentially the 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 thing that really put her in the presence of a lot of people was the track that she did where she came at, she came at Cole. Oh yeah. Man. Um, really and it was, um, Got to and it was, a, it was a track more so of trying to hold her, hold Cole accountable for a lot of the things that he does as far as, um, social justice work and thing and things of that nature. Um, and, and I, I like that she addressed that on Sundial, as well, um, where she essentially she was she was calling out other artists, yeah. but she also called herself out and saying, "Hey, yes, I'm calling, I'm calling yeah, Kendrick out, I'm calling J Cole, yeah, J Cole out, I'm calling Jay Z out for all of the um, capitalistic stuff that they do." Right. But then I had to turn right back. I had to turn around and do it myself yeah. because that's the type of system that we currently live in in this country. And I got I got to play to the system too, so exactly. um, so yeah, no top notch. Um, shout shout no name, no name, no no name is is dynamic, and I just I, I 
I really respect what she does, not only as an artist, but just also as a um, content creator and curator um, in the culture as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, and now getting to our, to our next uh, album review, B. Kool-Aid's uh, Leather Boulevard. I mean, this album, it contains an, an um, iconic classic sound world and the album's opening moments. And there's a parallel of the vocal elements along with the partial production. Um, and this is, uh, I, I was kind of recommended this album on, on social media by kind of like a, um, I saw a video of, of a of a music reviewer who kind of said this was one of like their their top favorite albums of, of the year, and it's a it's a very different album. It's it's um a lot of just soul elements. The sequencing is kind of structured in a very like um smooth, just a lot of soul in it, and and I mm-hmm. feel as though the production in it it just it just glides through in a very kind of like um straightforward way a lot of good production in, in this music. And I feel as though the vocal elements go along with it just really well. And it, it's just, it's just a different type of album, not one you would, you would regularly hear, um, especially in, in today's current uh, uh, landscape. What did you kind of think about it and some of, you know, uh, the things that, things that stood out to you the most? I like this album. It was, it's, it, it's a vibe. Yes. Like it, the, the, the album itself is a real, it's a real vibe. You have, Elements of soul, funk, jazz, yeah. um, especially the 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 new wave of jazz that we're going in, that the direction that we're headed in with yeah. artists such as um, Terrace Martin, oh um, yeah, Robert Glasper, like it has those type of it had those type of elements in this in this album, yeah. um, very very dynamic, um, very dynamic album. I liked Diamonds. I liked um, If You Can See Me. I liked Street Scott Pages. Like, I just, I really, I really was all over the place with with this album. And the album yeah. itself, like I said, it's, it's, it's a very dynamic, very smooth album. It was one I can really, like, really, like, ride to. Um, and I actually did. Riding like, music. I, I had, Riding I had music, a, for sure. I had a space that I had to go. Well, I was driving. I actually was driving to Atlanta a few weeks ago mm-hmm. to come up here for my family's Christmas party, and I was playing it, and I was just like, yeah. I was like, nah, like this, this jam, <laughs> this go." So, it does. Um, so yeah, nah. Shout out, shout out to um, Be Kool Aid. They had they they made a a really really dynamic album. I, I wanna. I, I was like, I said, yo, let me start digging more into their catalog to see what else. They yes. they have to offer, um, but it definitely it got saved on it got saved on the Spotify. Like, oh yeah, man! Because because every time like there's just so much music that's put out every year, and their albums I just miss, and I'm always like checking. Okay, what am I missing? This one was like I'm so glad I found this because it's a gem. It's it's definitely it's, it's definitely going to be a hidden gem if if you if you, if you listen to it. Um, get into our next album review with, with Amber uh, Navarin's uh, Knock on the Orange Door. In her new album, this project contains soothing vocals and production that coincides with it. Um, her overall feeling pr- approach is very smooth and also highlights what makes her, you know, music with Moonchild always a lead in the engine, you know, just she is for them. Um, this is a great listen. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just a great listen to me. Her her voice is is just, it's, it's, it has this like tender feel to it. Um, and the production coincides. She never overrides the production the production never overrides her she just like goes along with it so well um mm-hmm. i think every track is it's sequenced really 
the right way it should be. And I feel as though that this was a really dope project. Uh, to you, how did you kind of feel about this project and what you brought to it? How do you make an album full of interludes? That's and, insane. And, and and it's just, and it's amazing. Because like, there, there's not a song on this album that's longer than two minutes. No. And, and it's I, listen, the, the um friend a friend of mine the day the day before the album came out they actually sent me like the pre-save the spotify pre-save link they was like yo amber got a new album dropping and i was like where it was like yeah i hit the pre-save link it came up the day the day it dropped it came yeah. up i was in the car driving with i was like yo like none of these songs are like super long but i'm hitting repeat yes. on a lot of yeah like i no, i love amber um one of, one of my favorite groups is Moonchild. Yes, so um and the the other thing that people don't realize is she produces she she's a she's a producer so really? like every song every song on this out al- on this album on knock on the orange door she produced it wow like she, she do every she do everything like her and the other two gentlemen that's in Moonchild they basically co-produce all of the music but a lot of the music that's on Moonchild albums she directly produces by herself man. like she man like I and and I got the pleasure of meeting her last year when they were on tour. Um, I went no. to the show that they did. They did in Orlando, and it, and it was funny because we were kind of like in the area. I was standing like in the area that leads to the door where their green room and stuff was at. Yeah. So I'm standing there. We waiting on we waiting on them to come out, and it's this lady standing right next to me, and my homegirl that came with me. Shot to Ryan. She came with me. And Ryan was like, hey, wait a minute. Ain't that Amber from Moonchild? I looked next to me and it's and it's her. And I was like, ah, wow. like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I was like, look, listen, I love y'all music. Like, it is like, and um, and we got to chop it up about like a, a lot of other things as well. Um, because she's she's very much into activism work also because their their tour that they were doing was actually one of the sponsors of the tour was the NAACP. Um, so like every stop that they made on the tour, especially when they got here to Florida, every stop that they made on the tour before they came out, they let whoever the president is of the local NAACP chapter Mm -hmm. in that area, they came and spoke first. Hey, this is stuff that's going on in our community. Da 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 da. Want y'all to donate to the NAACP, become a member. And then one child would just come out and just do all this crazy music it's like it was, it was it was great but um but yeah no knock on the orange door is <laughs> is my jam it's, it's um, so <laughs> it really is my jam for real for real whispering whispering is whispering and sunflower are my two favorite songs on on the whole thing even though they short as all get out, but they my two favorite joints on, on the whole entire album. I love it. I love it overall. And like I said, it's just that it's just that nice when you just need to like vibe and get away. Literally away yeah. from the noise. Away from the noise Literally. is my favorite track. <laughs> that's like the, <laughs> like you're saying away from noise. That's my favorite track. Away from the noise is crazy. Like and it's like you said, <laughs> it's really that type of music. You want to get away from things. 
it's the one you can you can ride and, and, and play and play. It's just so good. Absolutely. It's it's a great it's a great album. I sometimes I just sit in my house sometimes and like while I'm trying to do work for my job or just be, I just throw this on and just Yeah. I let it I let it ride and put and I put the album on repeat. And just let it ride. Like after the fourth, fifth I'm not listen, trying to move I'm to like, anything else. I just want to stay here. <laughs> yeah, like after the fourth, fifth listen, I'll be like, "Wait a minute, I'm play this album like four or five times yeah. already." Okay. <laughs> but I'm still going to play it one more time before Definitely. I move to else. <laughs> so. um, And now get into our, our throwback review with Dr. Dre's "The Chronic." Um, and, and looking back, at this album, you know, released in 1992, it you know redefined the West Coast sound and you know contained a reinter- reinterpretation of G Funk. It's sequenced perfectly. It just has a, a time capsule that captures um, where the West Coast sound was headed and going. Um, and even listening to it recently again, I'm like, how, how like perfect of an album it is, and a, uh, just one of those cemented projects in hip hop lore is is so crazy to me because I'm like, man, Dre was ahead of his time. He knew where to he knew where to take it. He knew like how this album was gonna affect the culture years later what to you like does this like album mean and still mean even years later i was living i was living here in atlanta i was living here in atlanta at the time that the chronic came out and i was i was 11 i was 11 going on 12 and the summer of 92 you could not ride through atlanta and not like for every five cars that was driving in Atlanta, four of them was playing this album. That's how, like, literally, that's how influential. That's how influential this album is. The album influenced the culture so much that Crisscross's second album, The Bomb, yeah. essentially is a cross between the chronic and doggy style for for kids and teenagers mm. like that was that literally was the direction that Jermaine Dupree was going in when he made crisscross crisscross the second album um and I mean there's the this album is literally a this album is literally a no skip album. Like, <laughs> no skips at all, man. <laughs> Dre out, Dre Day, Let Me Ride, Nothing But a G Thing, Little Ghetto Boy, like Dre and, and and Dre knew what he was doing when he came in and was like, okay, so I've got to change the sound. As far as production is concerned, I've got to change the sound direction that the west coast is going in because essentially nwa albums as great as nwa albums as great as they are yeah is a cleaner version sound wise it's a cleaner version yeah. of what the east coast was east coast was already doing True. when it came to the production so dre comes in he you know he's essentially left ruthless records he's left nwa gotta figure out a new sound to take us to and he starts pulling out all of these george clinton parliament funkadelic records da, 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 da. grabs these samples from the 
flip some. Yeah. We got a whole new sound. It's G funk now. Man. Right. And let's let's take people let's take people in in this direction. And he pretty much revolutionized the whole whole game because it was like it's like the chronic is the testing ground. The chronic is the is the guinea pig. Doggy style is we perfected the sound yeah. with doggy style. The sound that we were trying to create with the chronic yeah. got perfected with, with doggy style. Um and then he pretty much was on autopilot after that. Yeah. Just, what 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 can what can Dr. Dre, Warren G, and Daz not do as far as producers is concerned. And DJ Quick. You gotta throw DJ Quick Absolutely. up in there as well. Yeah, he's gotta be. Because um, when DJ Quick saw that this was the sound that, this was the direction that we were going into as far as West Coast production was concerned, he flipped it and started doing this. But DJ Quick also can play. So he started adding those elements to it as, as well. Um I feel like DJ Quick is is honestly one of the most underrated West Coast producers when it when it comes to when it comes to the West Coast sound. But the Chronic is one of those albums, and um, shout out, shout out to the Source, but shout out to the Source in a bad way because here's the thing here's the thing about the Source, and people people will tell you this about the Source magazine within that era. Within that era of time, it was hard for anyone who was not out of New York to get five mics. It was hard. Covered, it was difficult. Five mics. And for the chronic to not get five mics when right. it initially comes out, because you know, I think it was like I think it was like two thousand seven, two thousand eight. Yeah. The source decided that they were gonna do this issue. They they did this one issue where it was like, so our team sat down and we figured out what albums people kept saying deserve five mics that we needed to give five mics. Yeah. But in the initial run of when the Chronic first drops, the Chronic only got four and a half mics. Robbery. Yeah, that's 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 a crime. Pure that's, that's 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 just. It's crime. and it's a lot of albums. It's a lot of albums that, when they first came out, didn't get five mics. That the source had to go back, in that issue in two thousand seven, two thousand eight, and give them five mics. Um, Outcast first album, Southern Playlist of Cadillac Music, didn't get five mics. That was a four. That was a four and a half mic album. Um, Mob Deep's album, The Infamous. Um, didn't get didn't get five mics. Um, and that's the album with with um shook ones part two shook ones man. And y'all don't give that five. Come on, four and a half, four four and a half. Um, what else? Some other albums that didn't. Some other quality hip hop albums. Doggy style, doggy style didn't get five mics. Doggy style got four. Doggy style got four and a half. Um, Biggie's first album, Ready to Die four and a half like it it was very hard for you like the roots things fall apart didn't get five mics <laughs> what? four 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 oh my and then goodness outcast, 
And then Outkast's second album, ATLians, got got four. Wait, Illmatic didn't get five mics. Oh no 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 yeah no no no. Where, whatever list you're reading, that that list is incorrect because Illmatic in its first run was a five was a five mic album. Okay, I was about to say yeah, I was about to say Ill, yeah. Illmatic was the last real five mic album before they gave Biggie's album um Life After Death, his second album. Mm-hmm. They gave Life Life After Death five mics. Okay. Gotcha. So, I'm about to say you that would be insane. Yeah. That would be crazy. Illmatic was ninety three. Life After Death is ninety seven. So it's literally a four year run yeah. of no albums getting five mics until we get to like the source was on one. Oh yeah, the source was on one. So I'm glad like, you brought that up because there are some albums just getting robbed. I mean, just just some un like unequivocally okay. great albums. Outcast didn't get a five mic album until Equimini, and that's their only and that's their only five mic album. My goodness, man. What what is? Spark- but but before we move on. The Andre album, because I know, like, we originally were going to have you on when Andre's album released, and, and that's obviously it's 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 so crazy because, um, he his whole discussion, especially the GQ interview where he's mentioning like, hey, I don't feel as though like I can, what can I really talk about with the rap album? Then he releases the flute album, has mixed reception, but, um, I think certain times throughout the day, man, it's an album where if you really want something different, you can play it. Like like you're saying, like if I'm working on something if i'm like mm-hmm. <laughs> you know cooking or just i can put on the background just let it play like how did you feel about the album and, and what he he talked about about it you know how you know how when you're on social media and people are like hey this is i'm throwing this on to cleanse your timeline to cleanse your news feed that that's that's what this album is it, it's literally a throw throw this on to 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 clear clear your chakras, if you will, like I don't, you know, all the things. Um, I've literally, legitimately, only played that album three times since it's come out. I've only played it three times. Yeah. I I have not went back to me that either, album. Me either, and, it's, <laughs> and it's not like and it's not because I don't like it. It's just I'm a listen. I'm an Andre three thousand fan. Yeah, and from an MC perspective, um. I've said this in countless interviews. I said this in countless discussions. Andre three thousand and specifically, ATLians. Yeah, the second album, ATLians. Andre three thousand is who I'm chasing every time I write. That's who I check. That's who I chase every time I write. I chase that Andre three thousand. Whenever I write music that y'all hear me make, yeah, I. How would that particular Andre three thousand approach this beat, or approach this topic, or approach this discussion, like yeah. the thing that we're discussing in the song? Um, and so, I, I, I don't really understand where he, where he's coming from, and and, and it's like I get it. If you're not in the headspace right now to really rap, yeah, that's that's fine. But don't say I don't have, don't say I don't have topics to talk about 
when Life of the party when did like, when did the last that that, 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 that the last the verse of Kanye the verse come on like yeah, that was I, a masterpiece man that verse you was argue, <laughs> you arguably whatever year that album came out you arguably gave us the verse of the year with your verse yeah. on Life of the Party. Bam, that was the verse. We heard year. that song. I think on Drake on OBO Sound Radio, Drake played that. Mm-hmm. He literally played that, and the world heard it. Was like, this is the best verse of the year. Like, insane, bro. Name a verse that year that was better than Life of the Party. None. There, there none. is none. none. You and that wasn't that. I, I promise you, that was two or three years ago. Yeah, twenty twenty one. In 2021, you gave us the best verse of 2021 with Life of the Party. You can't tell me you don't have anything to talk about. Just say, I'm not in the space right now. I can digest that better if you say that. But that was true storytelling, what that verse was. You got got stuff to talk about. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, and, and another tradition we have on here, always give our favorite albums of the year, top three favorite albums of the year, at the, the last episode. Um, there are a lot of albums I've liked this year, ones I've gone back to, ones I've kind of had different feelings on. Um, first one, Black Thought and L. Michael's Affair Glorious Game. <laughs> that, that album's incredible, man. And I already was a fan of L. Michael's Affair, but just getting Black Thought paired up with them, man, that, that was, to me, he's just one of the, He's in that all-time list of MCs, man. All-time list, bro. Black Thought is just is just so special to me. Um, I also had um, Maida's "When I Hear Your Name" for for R and B. I thought she, I think she's really versatile. I think I, I like how Chris Brown gave her a look on on, um, on her on his new album. Gave her, you know, uh, added her as a feature. That was a really just album. I keep going back to really concise. Um, and Nick Grant's "Sunday Dinner," one you recommended. I love that album. I think. I was re-listening to that, like, bro, this is one of my overall favorite albums of the year. Nick Grant, Nick Grant is incredible. It's one of the most impressive rap albums of the year. Um, it's got a lot of soul. Um, it's just, it's concise. It, 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 it's structured so well. The, the eight, 18 songs, but it's structured so well. I don't get bored throughout mm-hmm. the album. I keep wanting to listen and go back to it. So, so those would be my top three. Um, and I mean, I, I can't forget Honorable Mentions Killer Mike has to be in there. In terms of one that I wanted to put on, but just uh, I didn't go back to as much as these three. Uh, to right. you, kind of, what would be your top three favorite albums? Um, top three albums of the year for me, um, in 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 this order. Okay. Um, number one, absolutely, Killer Mike Michael. Killer Mike made the out. Al- Killer Mike made the rap album that symbolizes what Atlanta rap should evolve to. Like that's if you really and and you're from here, if you're from Atlanta right. and you listen to Michael, you know that that at that album is so Atlanta. Like it's it's absolutely Atlanta. It's an Atlanta rap album, but it's an Atlanta rap album that gives us a gives us a mature man who's still dealing with a lot of things, who's still wrestling with a lot of issues within himself. Yeah. 
and wrestling with a lot of issues within the culture. Um, and it's just, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful album. Like it's just, it's just a beautiful album. It the, really is. All of the features on it were appropriate. The the topics were appropriate. The, the soundscape, as far as the production was, if Killer Mike does not win Rap Album of the Year at the Grammys for Michael, the Grammys do not know. The Grammys themselves don't know music. Yeah. Period. Yeah. Like that's the Rap Album of the Year. Um, my number two is is Glorious Game, Black Thought, and and L. Michael's Affair. This this was actually my first time being exposed to L. My, to L. Michael's Affair. Mm. This is my first time being exposed to them, and 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 I'm so glad that it was done through Black Thought. Yes, Black Thought. <laughs> Black Thought is, you know how, you know how we we have boxers that we say are pound for pound the best boxers. Yes in the game even if they're not in the heavyweight division because yeah. for a while we looked at the heavyweight division as like the end all be all of boxing um but it was always like roy jones jr pound for pound best boxer and black thought pound for pound is the best mc in the game right now there's there's nobody there's nobody better than black thought. yeah man. period he's, he's listening to um driving in a car today on my trip from Jacksonville to Atlanta, I listened to the um, Quest Love Supreme podcast episode with, with Black Thought. Fire episode. Because um, somebody had recommended me. They were like, yo, the time in the podcast where Fonte is asking him questions, you want to listen to that part. And it gave me insight on how he writes his approach to writing, his methods, like all of the things. And it gave me insight onto how he writes as a solo artist versus how he writes when he's with the roots. Yeah, he has to write differently. And, yeah. It says he even says that. And and I um and and in listening to it, it it's it's helping me in how I want to approach just writing now. How I want to approach this writing, because after Bro did that ten minute ten minute freestyle on on Funk Flex back in two thousand seventeen, I said to myself, the the level of writing, the level of writing that I want to be on, I want to be on the Black Thought yeah. level of writing. Um, and knowing that, I was like, I said, yo, I gotta I gotta keep going back and listening specifically to this to this episode. Um, and shout out to 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 Quest Love Supreme and shout out to Quest Love for having Fonte on the team. I love, you, yeah, I love how you don't I get love those Fonte. type of questions. No, yeah, man. If you don't have an MC as <laughs> equally awesome as Fonte, exactly, he knows game. On the team. Yeah. Um, and then my my number three is um Kenyon Dixon, the R&B you love. There's there's not there's not a skippable track on that entire that album is flawless flawless R and B is flawless and um me going through me honestly going through like a personal situation if you will and involving like love and all the things of love 
Um, I've told Kenyon Dixon this plenty of times on on Twitter because we go back and forth a lot on on Twitter. Um, I know it's X, but his mama named him Twitter, so I'm going to call him Twitter. (laughs) Um, But we go back and forth on – we went back and forth on Twitter after I listened to the album the first time when I told him. I was like, you literally told the story of my first half of 2023. Like you literally, wow. you literally told my story on this album. No skips, none whatsoever. Yeah. Album is inc- the album is incredible. Um, Sean, Sean is my favorite. Sean is one of my favorite songs off that album. Um, what else? Um, 2000s R and B is. 2000 R&B is, is incredible. That that song is ridiculous. Yeah. Um Lucky um the 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 Grammy nominated song Lucky. Yeah. Um is is one of my songs on on the album. Um and then the song and then some with um featuring his daughter's mother. Like that's that's a that's the thing mm. that that's the thing that no that no one knows. Um, wow, I didn't know that. Kenyon Dixon's Kenyon Dixon's daughter's mother is Alex Isley. Yeah. So Wow. <laughs> yeah. So um so so her his his daughter, cause his daughter's name is Isley. Mm. And when when Alex Isley got nominated for a Grammy this year, and Kenyon got nominated for a Grammy this year, um Kenyon put on his Twitter, he was like, um, Shout out to my daughter Isley, um, who can go to school tomorrow and say that both of her parents got nominated for for Grammy awards. So I was trying to figure out like, like you know, who are you talking about? Yeah. Like who are you talking about? And then that's when somebody threw in the comments, like, yo, like Alex. Alex is Alex is is is, is his daughter's mother. So like, yeah, shout out. Um this incredible album. Yeah. Um and then of course my honorable mentions, um, I have three honorable mentions. No name sundial. Um, Nick Grant Sunday dinner. Sunday dinner is bananas, and um, Skazu, Skazu, and the other guys. The mind of a saint. Damn. I really like that project. Who, who, who decides? Okay, I'm gonna write a whole album about snowfall from the perspective Genius. of the main character of snowfall. Flawless, complete, completely flawless. Oh, uh, and then I got one more. um, I got one more honorable mention. Um, Larry June and the Alchemist, the greatest. That's what I was about to say. That's what I was about to say. Yeah, Larry June, the Alchemist. That was fire. Alchemist. He's been on a run. He's been on a run this year, bro. Uh, He's he's been producing for a lot of people, a lot of big name people. Um, Mm -hmm. Even the uh, even Drake's uh, on on Drake's uh, Scary Hours, the the Wickman track. I mean, he's just He's been everywhere, yeah. and I really would like to see him next year. I really do want to see him, or the year after. Produce for Nas, produce for Nas, man. I would love to see that. I would love to yes. see him look up. I did see him in the in the um studio with um Most Def though, so that's gonna be a, that's we might get that first. <laughs> and if and if I have to have a, another, if I have to have a R and B honorable mention, um, Cleo Soul Gold is one of yes. the greatest R&B albums to come out come in the on, last man. five years. She just keeps out doing herself. Keeps out doing <laughs> every time, every time. So yeah, that's 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 my list. That's my list. I think it's a I think it's a glorious list. So yeah. <laughs> uh, before we go to break, though, we I, I know 
Brian B. Dot always has this thing where he puts up his like top 10 best rappers of the year. And it's always like controversial. People are wondering his list. Okay. Number one, he's got J. Cole. Two, he's got Wayne. Three, he's got Lotto. Four, Benny the Butcher. Five, Killer Mike. Six, Gucci Mane. Seven, 21 Savage. Eight, Conway Conway the Machine. Nine, Larry June. Ten, Nas. Who do you, who do you agree with? Who do you like disagree that shouldn't be on the list? Who should be on the list? What, what, What do you think? I'm gonna do I'm gonna do my little Wayne impersonation again. Gucci man. <laughs> I don't to my name Gucci. Like, like I don't know. Um uh, I just so I can only do five. I I can only do five. Um Killer Mike is definitely one. Yeah. Killer Mike is one. J. Cole is two, because J. Cole has the verse of the year with um the secret recipe verse. Like that verse is crazy. Every, Everybody wants to debate me and be like, "No, the 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 first first person shooter verse is 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 the better verse." No, it's not. It it really isn't. And 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 that's not taking anything away it's from the first person verse. shooter yeah. verse. Yeah, it's J Cole. Like, yeah. when has he not been dope on a feature in two thousand and twenty three? Like, but Secret Recipe didn't was the top one. He was like, God, 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 God. but yes, Secret Recipe okay. was, was was the one. Secret Secret Recipe. Was the verse that started this whole? It's the one that started the run because he was kind of on like a slow trajectory. He had some features, but they weren't as good. This secret mm-hmm. recipe was more like, "Oh, that's cold." People were like, "That's yes. cold again." And then he came with first person shooter, and then he came with the feature on Nicki's album. Yeah. Was, he was on a tear. So, yeah. Killer Mike, Cole, um, Larry June, Nick Grant, Black Thought. And okay, I can't do ten. Nas, um, currency because everybody slept on that currency and Jermaine Dupri album. Most everybody underrated project of the year, bro. Currency is like becoming one of my favorites. Yeah, um, everybody slept on that album. Um, no name and last two Nick, no name. Um, I said because I said Nick Grant already. Oh, Benny Benny's and Benny and um number ten for me would be honestly Big Sean because Big Sean's verse on Larry June's album was was crazy. He's been on a crazy feature run too. Big Sean is right. dope, really dope on features. Big, Big Sean's verse was crazy on on that on that Larry John. I do want to say this though. I do want to say this though before we go to break. An album that came out last month of the year, um, last year that I think even to this year I still go back to a lot is Absol's Herbert. I think that project is highly underrated, man. I this really is. think it is, man. And I know it doesn't have that same commercial appeal, but Absol really did something on that album. I think that's 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 an album I still revisit a lot. And I, I think Herbert is dangerous. Yes, man. It's a dangerous project. I'm like, man, I wish people. I, and I just don't see people talking about it as much. I know we got a lot of good albums this year, but that's one that's that flies under the radar. Yes, it was definitely. We're gonna take a quick break and we'll be right back with our May the Lord Watch the Little Brother Story Review. Welcome back to the show. Now we're getting to our May the Lord Watch 
Little Brother Story documentary. Um, and this documentary follows the rise, breakup, and reunion of Little Brother. Um, this music doc documentary and the tradition of films like Beat Rhymes and Life of Zappa details the vast impact of the preeminent 2000s group. Um, and the heart of the documentary lies in the unraveling recognition, reconciliation between members Afonte and Big Pooh. Um, and this was such um, an impressive documentary because I think sometimes you get the perspective of the director who's making it and people um, who were kind of like somewhat associated with these people, but you really get the artist's um, perspective in this one. Obviously, Ninth Wonder wasn't present for this one, but I think even what we heard from Fonte and Big Pooh, it, it was um, very transparent, very honest, very vulnerable. What did you, what were kind of your initial thoughts on this documentary when you first saw it? Absolutely great documentary. Yeah. Like, I, I watched it the day that it dropped on YouTube, and um, I like that they really, that Fonte and Big Pooh really had a hand in the creation of, they had a hand in it. They had a hand yes. in the creation of the documentary. Yeah. It wasn't just, here, directors, you do it. And we'll just come in for the interviews and right. discussions around things that we need to things that we need to talk about. Because yeah. then we would have gotten another, we would have gotten a, a, a Michael Rappaport Tribe Called Quest documentary, and we see what. Thank God that Tribe put out that last album before Fife died, yeah. because if Beats, Rhymes, and Life the documentary becomes the end of the tribe legacy, Michael Rappaport completely butchers their legacy. Yeah. Completely. Butchers their legacy. Um, and and, and I'm, I'm thankful that that's not the direction that this the Little Brother documentary went into. Um, I, I would have absolutely loved to... I would have loved for Ninth to come in and given his perspective... Um, because the perspective that the other two members of Little Brother, Fonte and Big Pooh, the perspective they gave, they didn't attack, they didn't attack Ninth. Right. They held all, all three of them held each other accountable for how the how the group initially imploded and the direction that they were trying to go into when yeah. they reunited and wanted to do the May the Lord Watch album as a trio. Right. Um because they, they essentially they did. They wanted to give they wanted to give the fans what the fans wanted because the fan we as the fans we didn't really we didn't know that this was, this is what was going on internally. Um, and it also, it, it goes to show the level of protection that each of the members were giving each other. Because they could have, like, they easily could have, back in the Mr. Show Get Back era, they could have easily yeah. been like, bro, I ain't ever here. You know, and yeah. did it in a way that was that was nasty and disgusting. Um, but I, I really, I really enjoyed the fact that 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 wasn't the direction that they went into. I really enjoyed the fact that Fonte 
Conte even said on the documentary, as far as as far as knife goes, like I still consider knife a brother. I still consider knife a friend. Yeah. Like the 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 working relationship is just something that you know. If we if we revisit it again in the future, like we gotta have like real extensive conversations about it, and we gotta really work that out. Yeah, um, you know, Big Pooh, shout out to Big Pooh. Big Pooh was like, "Yo, like when when knife go low, I'm gonna take it to the flow." Like I, oh yeah, you know, honest. <laughs> we can't work out, but yeah, um, but but still, he he still did it in a way that um that was classy. It was that was that it was very classy and it was very um I'm holding you accountable. I'm not tearing you I'm not tearing you down. Yeah. And that was that honestly was the dynamic of the entire documentary. Even when we get into the situations of when Fonte and Pooh are just discussing the issues that they have with one another. Right. Um which, which I thought was great, and I'm, I'm really glad that they were able to work out and reconcile yes. their issues. Um, as as far as like a, as far as the documentary goes, as an overall production, overall, it's stellar. It's it's a it's a five. It, for me, it's it honestly is a five star documentary. Um, it's something that I do go back and watch. You know, time and again, and also, whenever I see that little brother has an interview during this run, yeah, the math documentary, yeah. I, I go and watch those interviews as well, because they even give more context to a lot of stuff in those in those interviews that they probably weren't able, for time's sake, to really give in in the documentary. Um, but yeah, overall, stellar documentary, and stellar way to cement the legacy of you know a group that many don't realize is is a group that's very influential to a lot of artists that we consider to be top-notch artists like that's what i wanted to get to that's what i want to get to because even in that um a part of the math hopper interview they were asking man like when you when you Rasen Fonte, when you see guys like Drake and Kendrick, you know, blowing up as great as they are, you know, you got you guys had an influence in that, like particularly. And Fonte said, "Man, I'm, I'm happy that they're doing what they're doing, but I just don't want that life. Um, I don't, I, I just don't want. I didn't want to blow up like that. Like when you look back at what they did, and especially just how, how they kind of ushered in a new generation of artists that we know as the greats." What did you kind of what do you kind of think about their mentality of knowing that they could have been as big as that, but they just didn't want 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 that same accessibility? Yeah, um, I think little brother, which they are, um, thankfully after leaving major record labels and all of the other things, they wanted to be on the level of a black star, you know, quality quality I seen, or um, on the level of a common, you know, go yeah. like. The, the 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 MCs that are workers, yeah, you know, if if we can put them into that category, um, but they, but they appreciate the influence that they've had on 
mainstream heavyweights such as a Drake, such as a Kendrick, such as a J. Cole. Like they've influenced all three of those of those MCs. Like um Fonte did a song with Fonte did a song with Drake on was initially one of his first mixtapes, Comeback Back Season. season. <laughs> Crazy. And that, and that song was produced by Knife. Yeah. Um Kendrick's first real release, the Kendrick Lamar EP. Um Big Pooh did a song with Kendrick on his yeah. on his first release. They they've essentially influenced directly or indirectly the three biggest MCs of the modern era. Um, you know, that's because, that's your favorite MCs, favorite MC. Favorite like, MC. <laughs> like <laughs> those guys, Cole, like idolize them. <laughs> Cole will tell you, being from you know, being from North Carolina, Cole will tell you, like, yeah, I, 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 there are days that I don't feel like I can touch. I can touch a Fonte. I, I, I can't, I can't touch a Fonte, and, um. You know, he's like, I, I be trying my best sometimes, but I, I can't. And, and Fonte can sing too. Like Fonte is a, ch- I, I'm telling you, I've just been re- revisiting his just like a re- like solo work, bro. He's got a catalog, man. Like Fonte, he's crazy. Fonte is phenomenal. Fonte <laughs> never gets, Fonte never gets mentioned when we talk about, when we talk about top MCs from the South. Yeah. Fonte never gets mentioned because his sound isn't, his sound isn't organically southern but you can tell Fonte from the south because of his act like his accent the drawl that comes through when he rhymes like Fonte is a southern MC just they he don't really do southern style music but he could do it if he want if he wanted to if he wanted to yeah um so yeah like no huge influence over the Huge influence over over MCs in the I mean, they influenced Doja Cat. Like, they, yeah, she was playing it on live, and she said, "This is one of my favorite verses ever." I was like, "Yo, all the heavyweights love these guys." But they love little brother, little brother is what what the native tongues were to what the native tongues were. To MCs like Little Brother, like yeah. myself, like Black Star, what the Native Tongues were in that era, mm-hmm. Little Brother and their crew, the Justice League. That's what the Justice League was to MCs like Kendrick, to Drake, to especially to Drake. Drake will tell you, like he, Drake will tell you, my 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 influences when I first started rapping in the game was. Slum Village, Elzai, and Lil Brother. Crazy. Like, it wild. And, you know, in, in some of his early, his some of his early writing and rapping, you can see that. You can absolutely see that influence. You yeah. see that influence sometimes even now. Um, but, yeah, like, Lil, Lil Brother, without really, really recognizing it, has been one of the most influential groups in the modern era of hip-hop. They are essentially the Tribe Called Quest of this era yeah, of, of hip-hop. Yeah, the modern version. Mm-hmm. 
definitely. Um, and, and when we get to to our as as Jamil's already mentioned, this is this is a, an exceptional documentary. Um, from one to four stars, I, I would give it four. You can give it five because I think it's it's up there. Um, it just was vulnerable. The artists were were heavily involved, as we mentioned. They were able to voice what they experienced and how it affected them um, then and now. Um, and and getting to the most memorable moments, um, uh, I would have you know discussing the introduction of OK Player, um, Big Pooh's mom discussing how he was raised. Also, Big Big Pooh discussing his writing and storytelling. Uh, Fonte meeting Ninth Wonder. I'm um, later discussing uh, the, the discussion surrounding Atlantic Little Brother split and their reunion and uh, their reunited recording of May the Lord uh, uh, um, May the Lord Watch. I, I think there are so many. I feel as though that particular moment of them reuniting was such a an important moment because even Big Pooh said when they first got together, first back together, and they were just trying to record and record. He was like, "We need some time to like actually just reconnect." as individuals instead of just trying to get back to the music like let's make sure we're good personally then we can get back to recording um were there any particular moments of this documentary that you kind of feel as though like were the standouts and just ones that you know you go back to the most a lot of the memories that would stand out for me would stand out for me because it's it's personal stuff that's attached to it that's attached to it for me because I was essentially the fan that was like on the outside looking in for a lot of these moments. So the okay player moment, the the okay player moment. I remember the day that Questlove put that post on the okay player board. Wow, I was I was a av- like I was an avid poster on the on the okay player boards, and I remember that day he po- he posted that. And I clicked that link because he had a link that you could click to listen to whatever you say. Yeah. I clicked that link and I heard that song. I was like, I want to hear more of this. Yes. <laughs> this is crazy. Like, yeah. And um, so that's a moment for me. The chapter, if you will, in the documentary where they were talking about doing um, separate but equal, the the, the gangster gorillas. Um, listen, they were one of the few artists of their caliber and their type of emceeing that did a Gangsta Grills mixtape yeah. with DJ Drama. And um, this is when uh, I want to say it was called LiveMixtapes.com, but it was a, it was a mixtape website where you could buy the actual physical copies of oh, wow. the mixtapes. I bought separate but equal when when it came out. I had the physical copy of, of separate but equal. Um because I wanted to be like, yo, like I I wanted to be like, yo, I had a physical copy of Little Brothers, yeah. DJ Drama, Mix like That's that was Drama will tell you that was one of his defining moments in being a DJ, doing a Gangsta Grills with with Lil Brother. And they had a song on there called Boondock Saints on on that on that Gangsta Grills. Um which if you like which if if you wanna go and listen to listen to it, it's on Spotify. Just just um search for separate but equal drama free. Drama free, yeah. Yeah, I was about to say you gotta you gotta have drama free, yeah. Yeah. And um but Boondock Saints Fonte went off. 
Infante told in his verse, he told the story of all the things that they dealt with being on Atlantic and how they got and essentially how they got out of their deal with he Atlantic. Didn't, he didn't hold back. He told did not hold back at all. I was like, that's top three best Fonte verses ever on that Boom Got Saints. Um, and then my third favorite moment from the documentary was was the reunion. Yes. Um, was the reunion they did at the the Art of Cool Festival in in Durham, North Carolina. I I remember. I remember that distinctively. I remember all three members, Fonte Bitpool and Knife Wonder, all three of them, that picture, that old picture that they took with all three of them in front of the, the Durham Bull Stadium, yeah. all three of them put that on their IGs and wow. said, Little Brother Reunion, Article Festival. And I was so upset because I was just like, I was like, this is happening. I was like, this is happening. And then videos started just popping up on Facebook and Instagram of people that was at the festival that was just taking videos. I was like, they are really, really Man. And I just started sending <laughs> videos out to all my friends. I was like, bro, brother, if they back together, we finna get this little brother album. <laughs> I, was, I was so amped. I was, it was the greatest, it was like the greatest moment in hip hop at that time because all of us never thought that was we never thought that was happening again we like a lot of us who were real little brother fans like that um because i because i consider their second album and and honestly their first album too i love the listening but minstrel show minstrel show was one of the most influential hip-hop i was about to ask you yeah what was what's your go-to little brother album the minstrel show is the minstrel show i love minstrel show yeah um because they showed what they could do as yeah. little brother with a big label budget. Yeah. Um, but yeah, those are my moments. Those are those are my absolute favorite moments from the documentary. Cause they cause I have personal attachments mm. to to each of those to each of those moments. I have personal attachment to Little Brother as a as a group overall. Like I'm I even though they're kind of on the level of peers when it comes to like our ages and, and whatnot. I am highly influenced by my little brother. Very, very much so. So, yeah. Definitely. Um, and I'll get into some most memorable quotes. I had um, writing was something that I did because I love to do it. Also, I didn't see it as a career until I got to college. Um, everybody in the Coleman family is an entertainer. Uh, the roots, common, black star, black delicious little brother. Yeah, yeah, that works. Um, for me, uh, uh, that that was it. There was nothing like it. Um, I knew exactly what they were referring to the state of hip hop at the time. Um, and just man, like that that line by Fonte, you know, yeah, that works. Like just the the or the origination of a title, man. Just hearing how sometimes they when you like you you wonder where did these titles come from, and sometimes it's just like a regular combo, mm-hmm. and they're just trying to brainstorm through it, and then it's just right there. Um, what to you like? What, were there any particular quotes, or maybe one that that kind of stood out to you the most in this documentary? Um, the because I can't think of like the actual quote, right? But the the thing that Font the the tirade that Fonte goes on at in the beginning 
beginning of the documentary and also when they get to that particular part in the documentary, the tirade that Fonte goes on when Ninth posts on social media about oh, yeah. how he don't really want to like he don't really want to talk about this. Um, like, if you don't want to talk about it, then just shut up about it and just going off that. That was that was the yeah, most the memorable quote moment of the of the entire documentary because Fonte was like Fonte was visibly that was one of the few moments in the imploding and rebuilding of, of little brother where Fonte yeah. was visibly upset. Oh yeah, about that. Yeah, because he was just like, you know, you keep saying you don't want to talk about it, then don't talk about it. Don't you know if people ask you about it, just you can ignore yeah. people asking you about stuff on social media. Just oh, yeah, easily. <laughs> no. um, but it led to the moment that him and Knife needed to have in having that discussion with one another yeah. about what went wrong between them. Right. Because Fonte and Knife were initially the friends. They were friends. And then Pooh got brought in um, because Knife was working with Pooh as far as music was con- as far as music was concerned. Um, which I also which also I always felt like when they were when the first installment of the group, I always felt like Pooh always got the short end. He really of, did of the stick. Yeah, and he really didn't deserve it. And then. To find out essentially that he felt like Knife didn't really respect him as an artist and as a person, um, kind of hurt, kind of hurt even more because um, Knife did the majority of Big Pooh's first solo album, Sleepers, and Pooh's first solo album, Sleepers. Is that's an appropriate title for that album? It's it's criminally slept on. Wow. Sleepers is an Sleepers is a marvelous album, and I go back to it every now and then to remind myself like, Big Pooh really is by himself. Pooh really is a dope MC, and he wasn't. And the crazy thing about it is, and he'll say this. He wasn't even at his best. He mm. he wasn't at the best Big Pooh that we get on Sleepers. Wow. You know, because he was he was still dealing with he when he made that album. I remember them doing an interview with him a few years later during the Get Back album. Um, and whoever was interviewing them had asked was asking him about Sleepers, and he was like, he said, I just. I kind of was just on autopilot with sleepers because I was still in that period of feeling like I was disrespected. I was being disrespected as an artist. Nobody was respecting me as an MC. Nobody was acknowledging me as being a top quality MC. I love sleepers. Like I think sleepers is one of the best projects to come out of the Justice League camp. 
I'm gonna have to check out. I'm gonna have to check out Sleeper Night because the way you're talking about it, I'm I'm like, <laughs> I really have been missing out on this. <laughs> sleepers, is, Sleepers is incredible, and I, and, it, and I'm I'm glad that I, I want to say it was 2014. It was it was 2014. I I got to tell him that when I um I opened up for him at the Gulf Coast Summer Jam. Wow. In Pensacola. Fan, Vine, listener, Vine Jamil's Vine. got some crazy stories. Jamil's got some crazy stories, man. He, he met Amber and they <laughs> opened up for me. <laughs> opening up, opening up for Big Poo was cra- opening up for Big Poo was crazy. That's crazy. Um, the year before that, I want to say it was the same. No, it was it was twenty thirteen. The year before that, I opened up for Slum Village when wow. they were on their Welcome to Dillaville tour. Um, Welcome to Dillaville tour. And I got to see the actual SP that Jay Dilla used to make the beats for Slum Villages for Slum Villages' first album. Like, man, because they carried it with them throughout the entire tour. It was encased in glass, all of that. I stared at it the whole entire time that Slum Village was on stage performing these songs, and I just I stared at. It. I was like, that was literally Dilla's SP. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's precious, man. Oh my goodness, great, mo- great moments as a, great moments as an artist, man. And I, and I hope to have even more. Ne- I hope I have even more next year. But like, I, I, I have some that takes the cake right there. Seeing Dil- yeah, that, that 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 yeah, seeing something <laughs> like that that is just so precious, man, and, and yeah, and a memorable, man, crazy. Um, and, and now getting to kind of like, what did you like the most about the storyline? Um. You know, I've mentioned this a lot, but vulnerability, um, being open, um, especially when it's something that's that's that breakup of little brother. I think nobody saw that coming. Nobody was ex- was expecting that, and it really shows you. A lot of times, we really don't know what's happening behind groups, um, behind groups closed doors. They can artists and performers. They can mask really well, put on a great show, and you don't even know. Like behind closed doors, man, they're. They're at odds. They're they're not on the same page. They're about to really, you know, get to a crossroads. And I, and I like how they just were very open about that and addressed it fully. Um, to you, kind of like what particular element um, of, of um, this documentary did you kind of like the most? It actually, it very much was the vulnerability. Like they didn't have to, they didn't have to open up as much as they did, but they they really did, and it it put people who are fans fans of them um it put the group in a whole new light yeah. and it also put the individual that's watching the documentary it puts you in a it puts you in a new space about how vulnerable you want to be mm-hmm. around things that are going on um in your life yeah. and yeah that was that was the Best that honestly was the best part of the entire documentary, and that's why, I, and and that's why I always say, I just I I wish that I wish Ninth understood that he wasn't walking into an ambush and could really give his perspective on why things didn't work. Yeah. For him being a member of being a member of Little Brother, because I know I know and understand that 
little brother now essentially is a duo, but we we as the fans we know little brother as Fonte Bitpool and yeah, Knife Wonder. Knife Wonder. Yeah. Like and so um I mean maybe we maybe we'll get it one day. Um maybe we'll get it one day, maybe not, but I I I would like to be able to get it because everybody held themselves accountable. Yeah. In this documentary, like Fonte didn't make himself look good, Pooh didn't make himself look good, and I just I think that's just how it that's how it should be, and that's how it needs to be to have a better understanding of not just how the group itself got to where they got to where they were and got to where they are now, but also that's just how it should be because you should be able to take accountability for your own your own actions in the total outlook of how of how everything is and how everything happened definitely man um and before we close it out um get into our last topic 10 years from now do you still think it'll be watchful and intriguing um i, I definitely think this is one that's going to really stand the test of time one that people can look back at as um, very, very good advice given by both um, Fonte and Big Pooh and them just being honest about the industry, the the um, the pitfalls of it, the things that you're not told up front. Um, to you, like, what do you think, what would you recommend in terms of why this documentary is something that people should watch to those who haven't seen it and why it's something that is going to be treasured years from now and ones that something that's just really special that that we got and many times don't get but we're able to get it when both these artists are still alive and just you know um even though we didn't get ninth wonder these guys were were able to really kind of like tell a lot and just be fully Mm -hmm. vulnerable people should watch it because it it will allow for you to understand how the group dynamic of the group dynamic within hip hop can be volatile if you don't handle it if you don't handle it properly like knowing how to keep the business business and keep your personal friendships keep those two things separated um I think it also you should watch it because it's a proper it's a proper give little brother their flowers while they're still here to smell them. Um, so important because you know if we're if we're looking at this from a standpoint of will this still be looked at ten years from now? Absolutely. Because when it's all said and done for Little Brother as a group, um, this documents why they're one of the best hip-hop groups and one of the most influential hip-hop groups ever of all time. Yeah. And that, for me, is the main reason why you should, should look at this. Because if you hear a Drake, 
who is essentially arguably one of not the biggest hip hop artists in mainstream today. If you hear a Drake say, I was influenced by Fonte and I was influenced by Little Brother as a group. Why is arguably the biggest hip hop artist in the game today? Why was he influenced by this group? Gotta go back and listen to them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> that gets people's attention. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and that's and that's the main that's the main reason why you should you should watch this. Because there are so many artists who are widely respected in the mainstream who respect Fonte and Big Pooh. Yes. And you need to understand why their music essentially influenced <coughs> influenced the modern art, the modern culture that we sit in now. The modern era of this culture that we sit in now. Definitely, man. Um, and uh, before we close it out, I, I do want to say um, on behalf of Savon as well to all the listeners, um, reaching end of another year, a uh, lot of we got a lot of good guests. Obviously, Jamil is, is always a really good guest. Um, a lot of a lot of good episodes. We have definitely more planned for next year. Um, and uh, me and Savon are definitely going to be back next week to discuss all the college football. See, see Alabama, Alabama defeat Michigan. We, we all know, me and Jamil know that's going to happen, but Savon, he's, he's not ready for that yet. <laughs> He'll find out New Year's Day. Um, but J- J- Jamil, before you head out, thank you so much for being on. You got anything planned for next year? Any 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 performances, live performances people can look forward to? Um, currently working on currently working on a new album. Hoping to have out, um, hoping to have out by next year. Um, we we are like seriously, seriously looking at next year, um, to to have the album out. Um, it's 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 gonna come. That album is gonna come with a tour, and you know, it'll be your indie on the road, in in on the road indie type of type of tour but um you know that coupled with the fact that next year is you know election year um yeah i'm gonna be doing a lot of dynamic work with the organization that i work for black voters matter um you know so just be on the lookout for for a lot of those things but definitely definitely um got this album that we got this album that we we about to put out I'm looking forward to the the response that people are gonna have around it. So I can't wait. I'm excited. That's the best news I got all day. That's the best <laughs> new Jamil. <laughs> best best news at, at, at all. But but thank you so much for being on. It's it's a pleasure as always, bro. And uh, definitely gotta do this again next year. Maybe around maybe around album time. Maybe around album time. <laughs> well, that wraps it up for tonight. I'm your host, Wonder Burns. This is Memphis Go. See you later. Thank you.